Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 15 and meet me at verse 13. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. And I want to welcome everyone worshiping with us live from wherever you are all over the country, even all over the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to welcome everybody that will watch this replay. Welcome. And everyone that's listening in your car, welcome as you listen to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am wearing an ugly sweater because today is Ugly Sweater Sunday, okay? So don't judge me when you watch this later um, by what I have on. Judge me by the content of what you hear preached today. And so... And you here in the building too. Don't judge me by what I have on. Judge me by what you hear today. And we'll find here in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, and the word of the Lord says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Passion Translation says it this way, Now may God, the fountain of hope, Fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with joy, with hope. And let's look real quick. This is the easy to read translation. It says, Paul tells us, I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace as you trust in Him, then you will have more and more hope and it will flow out of you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so over the last several weeks, we have been talking about distinguishing factors that a believer has that an unbeliever does not have. Uh, I should be able to tell a difference between a saint and a sinner. I should be able to tell a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. And I should be able to tell the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. And if we were to compare and contrast you versus a sinner, and we were to look at the time that you spend, and the time you spend may be pretty consistent. I mean, you may be doing some of the same things, such as getting up, taking a shower, going to work, uh, making dinner, you know, spending time with your family. All that may be consistent as you are endeavoring to live this life. If I were to look at your pocketbook, and in your pocketbook, comparing from a saint to a sinner, a believer to an unbeliever, a Christian to a non-Christian, it might look the same. I mean, you're going to spend your money on utilities, you're going to spend your money on bills, you're going to spend your money on eating, you're going to probably spend your money the same. So I can't really tell if you're a believer or an unbeliever by maybe how you spend your time, or even maybe how you spend your money. But I should be able to tell a believer from unbeliever, and two weeks ago we talked about because a believer should contain joy, and an unbeliever probably is not going to be filled with joy. A believer, like we said last week, is going to have the peace of God in operation in their life, and an unbeliever will not have the peace of God working in their life. And today I want to talk about hope. Somebody say hope. Because a believer should always have hope in their life. 
and a non-believer or an unbeliever will not have hope in their life. And this passage of Scripture tells us that God is the source, the originator, the instigator of hope. He is the one that's going to bring to us an intense, earnest expectation of something good. A believer should always have hope in operation in their life. I got a call the other day from an unbeliever, uh, someone that I used to work with at the bank, and he says, I follow your social media, I listen to some of your sermons, and you are so positive, and you have so much, it, he, he used the word, just belief that everything's going to be okay, and, and, and it seems like through your posts that you're always upbeat, and you're not looking at how bad things really are, and what he doesn't understand is there's... There are bad things happening in the land. There are bad things happening in your community. There are bad things happening at work and in our country. There are bad things happening. But because God is the source of my hope, I don't trust in what the bad things are happening on the earth. I trust in God who's the source of hope. And so this man couldn't understand why I'm so hopeful because he doesn't have God. And when you have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, you should be people filled with hope. And so I have to ask you, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? What are you working on? What is your vision? What do you see that someone else doesn't see? Hope has an intense, earnest expectation about it that we are like a giraffe with our neck outstretched looking for the goodness of God in every area of our lives. And if you're not excited about anything, I submit to you, you are not filled with hope. The distractions in this life, the experiences that you've gone through, the circumstances that you have, they have affected you, and you no longer are filled with this intense, earnest expectation from God. And this scripture tells us that when we allow God, the source, the originator of hope, to fill us with this expectation, we are going to have joy and peace in operation in our lives. Now, joy has eternal consideration. Happiness is, is temporary. Happiness is based upon external things. But joy is based upon eternity. Like I told you last week, and I'll tell you again, the worst thing that can happen to you and I as believers is that we die and we go to heaven. That is the very worst thing that can happen to us. We are believers, and we have heaven as our eternal destination. That's something to get excited about. We have a home that has been specifically tailor-made just for us, and we have a Father who loves us, and our champion Jesus is up there waiting for our arrival. He's happy when we come. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So our joy is contained in his joy. Our joy is contained 
in his hope, our joy and peace are in the source by which God provides us this intense, earnest expectation. And so we should also be people that are full of peace. And this word peace means undisturbed composure. We should not be disturbed by things that we hear all the time. I'm not saying that you are emotionless. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you are composed. When you hear bad news, you should stay composed because you have someone who carries the victory and you are in him. And when you are in him, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so you're going to stay composed when you hear bad news. You're going to stay uh, it, with the peace of God when bad news comes. You're going to stay full of joy when bad news comes, and you're going to stay full of hope during this holiday season and all of next year and all of the decades and years after that, praise God. Somebody shout, I'm full of hope. Now, some people say, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. I actually used to be like that. Can you believe it? I used to be a guy that didn't want to get my hopes up because I didn't want to be disappointed. And so I didn't want to have my hopes high because you know what? Someone may let me down. Guess what? Someone may let you down. That's true. But God never will let you down. Glory be to God. And so when we talk about hope in Scripture, we are not talking about wishing. Such as, well, I hope it doesn't rain today. That, that's a wish. That's not an intense, earnest expectation that's based off of any type of foundation whatsoever. And so when we talk about hope in our vocabulary, we are really just wishing. I just, well, I hope you're doing well. You're actually just kind of wishing they're doing well. We, we need to have the biblical standard of hope and that biblical standard of hope carries with it no doubt whatsoever. Our English version of hope carries with it an amount of doubt. But the biblical definition of hope carries no doubt. It is confidence. It is security. And it is being without care. When we have hope in God, we are confident in Him. We are secure in Him. And we are not full of care. In other words, there is no doubt about it. When our hope is in God, there is no doubt whatsoever about it. We have this confidence and this security from Him that what He has promised will come to pass. Somebody shout amen. amen. Biblical hope believes that God always keeps His promises. Biblical hope believes that God always keeps his promises. The Holy Spirit enables you to hope. You ought to be people that are full of hope because the Holy Spirit is enabling you to hope. In that passage, we found out that we're going to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we often settle for much less than what God wants to give us. We settle for much less than he wants to give us, and God wants us to have this intense, earnest expectation of something good, something miraculous, 
something supernatural, something that's never seen before, something that's never heard before occur in our lives because we have hope in God and there's no doubt about it when we have hope in God. Our low expectations often rob us. We are robbed because our expectations are so low and the truth of the matter is you get what you expect. You actually get what you, well, I expected bad treatment at that restaurant. That's why you got it. Because you expect it. And when you have hope, your expectations will increase. And God wants your expectations to go higher and higher and higher because he can get to you anything from anyone, anywhere, at any time. This is the God that we serve, and he's also our father, that if we can have our expectations high, God is assuring us that he will bring it to pass in our lives. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. And many of us don't even expect to receive anything from God. Let me ask you yourself, what are you expecting to receive? Your conversations with people, you're not trying to convince them. But they should hear a difference in your vocabulary. I was talking to a guy recently. They did some work here in our church. And he was talking about some things. I told him about, uh, we're going to get a new church facility. Praise the Lord. And he was like, yeah, you know, you can run to the bank and you get a loan. And nothing wrong with going to the bank and get a loan. But I told him, I want to do this with cash. He looked at me like, what in the world? See, I serve a big God. Come on now. And I learned through experience with God by just starting out really small, believing him for just small things. Like, you know what? I'm going to pay for this car cash. And the car was $1,500. I didn't have $1,500. But I'm believing God. And $1,500 come in. Are you listening to me? Then I'm believing God to pay cash for a car. And it's $3,000, the next one. I didn't have $3,000. But I'm believing God. And $3,000 came in. Then I believe in God for the next car. They wanted $10,000. We offered $6,000. Well, guess what? They sold for $6,000. And bless God, I had saved by the grace of God money to buy that car cash. And then I get the next car. It's $15,000. Well, we paid for that one cash, praise the Lord. What am I trying to tell you? Get your expectations up. See, I was taught that you always had to have a car payment. Nothing wrong with car payments. Listen to me. Nothing wrong with car payments. I'd rather you pay $400 a month than uh, trying to call me to come pick you up. Okay? I want you to go ahead and get that and don't call me. I am not dogging car payments. Don't, Don't misunderstand. I'm saying that my expectations are just a little higher because I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. How many witnesses out here today and online that have tasted and seen that the Lord is good? So my expectations are up. Some of your conversations with people should just blow their mind because you are expecting something great from your big God. You have an intense, earnest expectation of something good to happen to you in life. Somebody shout, I am full of hope. Glory be to God. And this hope that we are full of is our hope in Him. 
It's not in your spouse. It's not in your parents. It's not in your grandchildren. It's not in your daughter-in-law. Your hope is in him, and I have an intense expectation that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Can I get a hearty amen? Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 real quick. Hebrews chapter 6. And meet me at verse 10. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. Glory be to God. The word is good. And the writer of Hebrews says, verse 10, one of my favorite verses, by the way, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Now, pause and look at me for a second. God is faithful. He's not unjust. He is going to remember all of your expectation you have in him all of the service and the work that you are uh, striving for him, that you are doing for him. He's going to remember the love that you have been given to humanity. He's going to remember how when Pookie and Ray Ray cussed you out, you didn't respond with the same type of language. God's going to remember that. He's going to remember that, that you maybe even sacrificed in some areas of your life. He's going to remember the work and labor of love that you've shown towards his name. Watch this. That's one of my favorite verses because when I am endeavoring to follow the Holy Spirit and do what the Holy Spirit is asking me to do, listen to me with this. If you are endeavoring to obey God and do what he's asking you to do, you have to factor in that you might get taken advantage of. Just factor in the equation. Someone might take advantage of you. So when you factor it in and it happens, you already factored it in. I'll tell this story. It's one of my favorite stories. This happened when we first got into ministry. If you've been with me long enough, you heard this story. But our minister came to me. He said, I'm, I can't pay my house note. I can't pay my car note. And I, my heart went out to him. Like, oh, man, we, we had a little money set aside. And I, and I just sensed in my heart, I want to be kind. And so the Lord gave us a number to pay his car note, and I think it was the amount was two, two months of car note, so he can catch up. So he's a minister, he's struggling. I, we cut a check, we paid, we sent it to him. He's like, man, send us to your car note. He called me back, and he's just excited about it. Then a few weeks later, he gives me a call. He said, the repo man came to my house. And I said, he's telling me the story how the repo man came. And, and he said, um, yeah, man, um, I was behind, you know, several months. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been broke. How many of you can be honest and say, I, I've been broke? I mean, come on, you know what I'm talking about. If the repo man comes to the house, he's he getting that car. He's he not leaving without the car, okay? Repo man came to get it. It was nice that he even knocked on that man's door. Because he's going to get that call. And I said, man, he's telling me the story. I was three, four months behind this, that, and the third. I said, man, I said, the repo man's going to get that car, man. How did the repo man not take the car? He said, man, I had to go in my savings account, pull out four months of payments, and pay and catch up. And so when I, he had the thing, he had the thing, I had to do it right then and there before he left. I said, man, I thought you didn't have any money. 
He said, well, I, I didn't in my checking account. I had it in my savings account. I was ready to fight. I can't, I have to be honest, I was ready. I was ready to fight. I said, man, we gave you money to, to, to give you a buffer, and you had it in your savings account. And he was just like, yeah, I did, you know, that was for something else. No, it was for that car that you about to be repoed. I, I started getting a little loud, and almost. I, I, started, I tried to stay composed, but my, my voice kind of carried a bit. And the Holy Spirit arrested me on the inside. And he reminded me, if you're going to be kind, factor in that someone can take advantage of you. Now, guess what? When someone comes to us asking for money now, guess what one of the questions we ask? How much is in your savings account? <laughs> How much is in there? Because you're not factoring that into this situation, glory be to God. And so, verse 10 God is not unjust to forget your work and labor love which is shown towards name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. I want to say this. God has given us that money back hundreds of times over in sowing that seed. I mean, unexpected gifts. I mean, people reaching out, calling, people asking me to speak places. And I, you know, I don't have no financial arrangement when I go speak places. And I'm just saying I'll go and they just surprising me with, with gifts, praise God. He's given that money back, fold. He's remembered the work and labor of love. And guess what? He's remembering your work and labor of love. Look at verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Now, this diligence is constant and consistent effort. Show the same diligence until the end, until your hope has been fulfilled. So we are to be diligent as we're believing God with an intense, earnest expectation of something good, whether it be healing in your body, whether it be to find a spouse, whether it be to start this business, whether it be to minister to that unsaved person right next to you. You have this hope on the inside of you, but you are to continue to be diligent Constant effort, be diligent until the end. Somebody say, until the end. So we're going to continue and be consistent until the end. We're not to quit. See, one of the things with hope is God tells you, have hope in me, but he doesn't tell you when the end is. If he told you when the end was, then you would just have faith and patience for that amount of time. But he doesn't tell you when the end is, and we're going to see in this next verse. Take a look here at verse 12. That you do not become sluggish. That means spiritually lazy. Don't be lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience, what do they do? Inherit the promises. So we are to follow and we are the copy after those who through faith and patience. Faith, say this with me. Faith and patience. Say it a little louder. Faith and patience. Through faith and patience, we are going to inherit the promises of God. Now, the promise of God is an announcement that something good is about to happen. When God gives a promise, he announces it. It's going to happen. We're going to inherit that, not automatically. 
It's through faith and patience we are going to receive the expected end of the promise of God. I like verse 13. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. That means his reputation is on the line here. And this is what he says. Surely, somebody shall surely. Surely. Blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. Surely this is going to happen. He, his reputation is on the line here. He could swear by no one greater than himself. You know, some people say, man, I, I swear on my mama's grave. They're trying to say I'm swearing by someone greater than myself. He's saying, I'm swearing by myself. No one's greater than me. My reputation is on the line. Surely, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And look at verse 15. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Glory to God. He got it. He received it. He took hold of it after he patiently endured. When you have an intense, earnest expectation from God, when you are looking forward to something, when your vision is high and you see what others can't see, when you are working on something, You're going to have to patiently endure. And when you patiently endure, holding on to the promise of God, you will receive what you believe in God for. Come on, somebody say, I received that. Somebody say, that's mine. Somebody say, I'll take it. Somebody say, I have it now. This is what happens when you have hope. Too often, people quit. They give up. They stop. Joseph had a dream in prison. He did nothing wrong. He was sent to prison. But God had given him a dream that he would be a ruler. But now he is, here he is in prison. He's supposed to be a ruler. People are supposed to be bowing, but he's in prison. He never gave up hope. What if he had quit 24 hours before the baker had the dream and Pharaoh called him up. What if he quit? So I, I curse God and all this. I don't care about any of this. He'd have never been, he'd have never made it. What if he quit 12 hours before? What if he'd have quit six hours before? What if he'd have quit three hours before? You don't know. You could be three hours away from what God has for you and you are about to quit. What if you'd have quit? What if he'd have quit one hour? 30 minutes. 15 minutes before he's about to get the phone call. Come on up here from the outhouse to the White House. What if he'd have quit? What if he'd have quit? Five minutes before. He said, I don't want to do none of this. I had this dream, but now my dream is over. What if he'd have quit? He'd have never got the call. But thank God we are not like those who draw back. We are not quitters. We go forward because we believe if God said it, I believe it. And that settles it. It's going to happen. Say it's going to happen. Somebody say it is happening. Somebody say I have it now. This is what happens when you have hope. Now jump to verse 19 with me. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19. Jump there. Meet me there at verse 19. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul 
both sure and steadfast. Glory to God. We have hope that it anchors our soul. If you don't know anything about an anchor, a ship has an anchor. I like cruise ships, and the, the cruise ships' anchors are just ginormous. <laughs> they are, they, and, but the anchor drops down to the, to the bottom and secures that boat. And when the waves are beating up against that boat and the wind is blowing, that anchor is going to hold that boat right in that spot. And that anchor is going to keep you right there. And so when you have your anchor in God, your hope, your expectation is in Him, He's the source of your expectation. I don't care what the news media says. I don't care what Pookie talking about. I don't even care what your parents tell you. If God said it, that settles it. See, some of you have been pushed around like, well, that's not going to happen for me because look at the economy. Massive amount of monies are made in bad economies. A lot of small businesses get going in bad economies. I got so much flowing through me right now. I can give you example after example of things happening in bad economies. When you're talking about, well, I can't do nothing right now because it's a bad economy. God's saying, move. Obey me. Do what's right. And do what's right. I, I, you know, many of you know my story. I stepped away from the bank. Financial advisor at, at the bank I was at in a bad economy. I didn't want to do that. So that I knew it wasn't me that said do it. I'm like, man, we need to wait for things to turn around, right? No. Lord said, step out. Step out. Trust me. Obey me. Step out. This is me. Step out. We stepped out. We started this church in the Great Recession. You ain't supposed to do that. Right? You're supposed to wait till $500,000 comes in and get your church started. I wish $500,000 came in. No, no. Matter of fact, I don't wish it because I learned some things about myself that I didn't know. And I learned some things about God I didn't know. And if it had started with a million dollars, I wouldn't have learned those things. I learned that God is faithful. I learned that God is reliable. I learned that he's consistent. I learned that he can be trusted. I learned that if he said it, he means it, and he'll bring it to pass. See, you learn through the hard times, but we only want good times. I'm talking to somebody because I didn't mean to talk about this today. But you are developed and chiseled and 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 constructed during difficult times and you learn some things and then when the good times come around you are like an anchor in God knowing who God is and you can enjoy the good times and when the bad times come back around because it's an ebb and flow they will your anchor is securing him if he did it before he can do it again if he did it for Pookie he can do it for me praise God somebody say my hope is in him now in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, in the Amplified translation, it won't be on the screen, but listen to me. In the Amplified, it says, this hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul, it cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it, a safe and steadfast hope. Glory to God. Say amen to that. Hope is a confident expectation or assurance based upon a sure foundation for which we wait with joy and peace. I need to say this again because some of you need to write this down. Hope is the confident expectation or assurance 
based upon a sure foundation for which we wait with joy and peace. We don't wait grudgingly. We don't wait with sadness. We don't wait with weakness. We don't wait depressed. We don't wait unthankful. We wait for this expectation with joy and peace. Because God's word is true. And it may not come when I want, but it's going to come on time. God's never late. He never slumbered. He, he's never behind. It's going to come. And so I'm going to wait with joy and peace. I'm going to wait with undisturbed composure. I'm going to wait with, with the strength of joy on the inside of me, knowing that this hope shall come to pass. Look at Romans 5, 5. Turn there real quick. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Hallelujah. 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 Look at verse 5. Paul tells us here, now hope does not disappoint. Now we can pause right there. Look at me for a second. Hope does not disappoint. This Intense, earnest expectation that's a sure foundation upon Christ Jesus does not disappoint. You will not be disappointed when you have hope in Him. Now, is it possible that you are disappointed because you had hope in something else and not in Him? Maybe you thought you had hope in Him. But you really had hope in someone else. And they disappointed you. And you thought God disappointed you. But God never disappoints you. They disappointed you. Uh, let me tell you how I learned that. I was believing God at the time to, to get a particular job. There was a position I wanted. I was working at a large ministry. And there was a position in this large ministry that I wanted. I prayed, I prayed about it, Donika. I fasted. I took communion. I prayed in the spirit. I, I labored before the Lord. This job is my job. I did everything spiritual you can think of to get this job. I did it all. And they came down and interviewed me, and they did not give me the job. I thought God disappointed me. I thought he let me down. I was crying. I was in the funk. I was depressed because I thought this job was mine. I look back at that situation and I realize how ridiculous I was. God had bigger plans for me. And the reason why I didn't get that job was the catalyst to get me to Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where he wanted me to be. But I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, believing for this nickel and dime job that I thought was going to be mine. And God said, I don't want you here. I want you over there. And Stacy was waiting on me. She didn't know me, but when I showed up, she saw me. Praise God. She said, that's, that's the man I want. Glory to God. See, if I didn't move out here, I wouldn't be married to her today and have four kids. Praise God. I, I, I wouldn't have had it because I thought this little old job was what God wanted me. And I was disappointed for a minute. And then I look back and say, that was all me. God didn't tell me that. 
I was going to take what I thought belonged to me without a word from God. And this is the problem with in the faith movement. I'm a faith preacher. Y'all know this. We just make up something. We just make it up. By Friday in the mail, there's going to be a, there's going to be a ten ten thousand dollar check. I'm confessing in the mail, and God ain't never told you nothing like that. And then Friday come and you're looking at your watch and you're looking at the mailbox and say, "I don't believe this faith stuff no more," because God didn't say that. Faith comes by what? And hearing by what? Did God tell you that? So everything has to be traced back, did God tell you? And if you've been disappointed and you have traced it back to God because you're disappointed, I want you to ask yourself, did God really tell me that? Did he really tell me that? And this particular job, he didn't tell me that. That's something I wanted, something that I thought he wanted for me. He didn't tell me that at all. And I was disappointed. And I finally, by the grace of God, shook off that that depression and that sadness. And I said, God's got a plan for me. And thank God there were men of God that rallied around me, that encouraged me because I was in a funk. Get out this funk. And then Charlotte opened up, and here I am, praise God. And now I look back, and I'm glad I didn't didn't get the job because he had something better for me. Now, hope, watch this, Romans 5, 5. Let's put it back on the screen. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts, watch this, by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so, biblical hope will not disappoint you. Biblical hope, we're not going to disappoint you. Why? Because God loves you so much that he poured out this love. And this love came by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we understand that he has loved you in the past. He still loves you. He will continue to love you. You will not be disappointed. Say this, I will not be disappointed. Say it like you mean it, I will not be disappointed. Now say it like you're yelling at your kids, I will not be disappointed. Yeah, yeah, some of y'all got some bad kids, praise God. I will not be disappointed because my hope is in him. I trust in him. I rely in him. My confidence is in him. My security is in him. What God has placed on the inside of me came from him. And my, my assurance is in him. All I have to do is believe that God will do his job. My job is to believe that God will do his job. Are you getting that today? My job, say this, my job is to believe that God will do his job. Your job's not to bring it to pass. Your job's not to make it happen. Your job is to believe that God will do his job. Now, he'll tell you what to do here and there. And there are some big things the Lord has told me to do. And I've stressed out over them because I thought he was telling me to do them. No. He was telling me to believe him to get that done. That's a different mindset where you're like, I, God's asking me to do this. Or some of you have some dreams 
uh, of maybe even stepping away from your eight to five, doing some things that God has placed in your heart. Your job ain't to make the money come in. Your job is to do what God's asked you to do and believe him to bring it in. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm talking to somebody that when you have a word from God, hope, faith, let me say it this way, faith doesn't really work without hope. You have to have an expectation of something, and faith will undergird that expectation and give you the foundation that will receive that intense, earnest expectation. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we have to have hope first. Some form of expectation that God can do this, and then we release our faith. And when we release your faith, that means you speak what you see God told you, and then you step out on what God told you to do. And you have to have hope as your blueprint to walk out on. I believe in 2023, this next year, God's going to fulfill your hopes. Who will receive that? God is going to fulfill the promises he's had to you. Some of you have been believing him for decades, and in 2023, it's going to be the year to receive what God has for you. I prophesy over you right now that you shall abound with hope. More and more hope. Who will receive that? You shall overflow with hope. Who will receive that? You shall bubble over with hope. Who will receive that? You shall have an abundance of hope today. Who's going to receive that? Hallelujah. And this is how you experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.